or something like I don't know. It's just like it, it's, it's um, this guy is uh, uh, as much as I'm impressed by uh, Herzog, and I am. I find this guy also pretty impressive in in a very different way because um, yeah, 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 not he's not quite so over the top. Yeah, Herzog, it's like I'm going to find humanity, but it's like you know, it, it, it's it's by taking the ark over the fucking waterfall or, or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, you know, or or looking at a guy. Carlo, when you drag a fucking ship over the Andes <laughs> Mountains, I'm going to kill half my crew, and right there, we're going to find some humanity. Well, when we did Herzog, the 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 film that uh, the second film we did was '76, I think it was a Strozik, right? It's the one the guy from Joy Division killed yeah. himself after watching. Well, that's what that's that's the one that specifically I was reminded of. Yes, me too. That's that, okay. So hashtag me too. I think we were both thinking of the same thing here. Like that that that's mm-hmm. that's probably the connection to Herzog, and and it makes us feel. You know, two guys who who can't even bother to pronounce this guy's name correctly. It makes us feel like, oh, now we get a sense of what that German sort of post-French realist movement is like, or something. But there, there's a quality to it where it just sort of drags you in, despite like I don't know if you had it, but like you keep having these little like um, you him and ha. Nah, I'm not sure if I'm in, and then five minutes later you're like, oh, I must have been in because I was dragged into that scene also. I would say that this first movie we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Um, I had a really hard time with it at first, and uh-huh. then I was on. Then I'm on. But then all on board. That's every exact, fucking second. Exactly. It, it turned out to be brilliant. I and I would say this because I, I guess I can just sort of say this because we'll talk about it in a minute. It was it was kind of by the time they were leaving New York, like at the end of the first act, that I that I found myself okay, no longer having any, any hesitancies because at first I was having the same sort of feel. Well, let's talk about it. so 1974 is. Uh, Alice in the Cities. Alice in the Cities, which yeah, is apparently the, the first in like a, a trio, like of, of road pictures that uh, Vim Vendors or One Wonders or whatever his name was making here. Um, mm-hmm. And but it's these two, the the lead and and the little girl had played, I think, also in, in a Vim Vendors One Wonders uh, uh, movie for the previous year. He did uh, the Scarlet Letter. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. And and initially, you know, this movie, I, I think that it's a mistake to compare it to the movie that people on the surface would probably obviously want to compare it to, which is Paper Moon. Paper Moon, right? But but it isn't. It's it ultimately is very different from Paper Moon in in, in many ways, and, and and in some ways it's, it's because it's a little more authentic. You know, Paper Moon has Ryan yeah. like coming in with this like I'm the bat, blah, 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 you know, like the con man and the, the flim flam, you know, fake yeah. teeth and mustache and the, guy. Yeah, and the, and the, the, the overly uh, the um, the overly mature you know girl child there too, right? Pre Juno Juno, right? Like Pinky yeah, 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 Juno, yeah. and it's yeah, and I love Paper Moon. Don't get me wrong, but it's like I, yeah. I have to give this movie credit for for actually being something um, a little deeper than that and not going yeah. for the easy emotion all the time because you're not sure ultimately at any time completely sure that uh, what everyone's motivation is it's almost like you're you, you trust one person's motivation at a time but you're not don't trust the other person and that's what gives it its tension but but okay so so we're talking about there's there's a it starts off in a very like, oh no, this is gonna be a terrible art house film. This guy's sitting underneath a pier, taking Polaroids of the empty sea. I cannot capture the you know the essence of the sea. It never. <laughs> the bad French accent. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I can't do. Uh, I should be able to do a German accent, but you know, and there moments, like, you've got a bad case of like super German eggs going on there. Yeah, but but there are some moments of, of of like you can capture the humor immediately. He's driving along in this fucking Galaxy Four, Galaxy Five Hundred, or something on the on the Florida, you know, panhandle, trying to sort of like Polaroid his way into an idea. He's a writer or a, a something. 
something like that. And and a, a photojournalist or something with this Polaroid. I, I, just, I just thought about that. But but he you know he's listening to um, you know Smoke on the Water and Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo and it's like the songs annoy him, but like the American aspect of the of the culture sort of starts to get into his head and 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 then it gets into like yeah kind of war, well worn territory of like you know bad motels and horrible used car salesmen and all that sort of stuff. And th- those are the elements that combined with what seemed like a dreary jury Bergman esque attempt in the beginning are the things that started to turn me off a little bit toward this. Um, and, and then, you know, he gets to New York and he's like, ah, fuck it. You know, I'm going to go back to, to good old Deutschland. And, um, and he, he gets there. He he hasn't finished the, uh, he hasn't finished the, um, the job he was hired. He came to America to do, and he gets fired from that job. Basically it's a writing job. Yeah. Sorry. That's right. Yeah. So, so he's more motivation. Yeah. 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 That's a good, yeah. Good point. So, but, but he's, also, like, um, uh, so, so you, it just feels like, well, I don't know where this is going to go. And, and suddenly something appears. And initially, I'm still not quite in because, like, this, he meets this, this um, woman who has a kid. And, and I think he sleeps with her. I don't remember. But, but um, you know, they're both. I don't know that they make that 100% clear with any of the women he's with, really. Well, one of them later on. But, but, but you know, they, they have a canceled flight. And for some reason... This woman trusts this man to take her child back to Germany while she, right. while she sort of settles something with an old boyfriend who's there in New York. Now, by the way, before they move, I want to say this because I'm just giving a plot line. One of the things, like here's a scene that exemplifies, I think, what we were talking about before. The three of them, he's just thinking he's met a, a, this woman. Maybe he's going to sleep with her. She's, she has a daughter. They happen to be German. I mean, it's, there's, you know, it's, it's not much serendipity in the moment. But they go to the, the top of the Empire State Building, and she looks through the, what do you call it? The fucking, you put the quarter in, and it's like the binoculars, you know. Yeah, whatever that things, is. Right. Do you find those everywhere? There's a sta- like a park or you know like a landmarky thing. Yeah. They put in those fucking things, and I don't remember them ever working for me. Right. Well, so so uh, she the girl looks and and the camera, which does that neat camera thing where it's like now the camera's looking through binoculars or whatever it is. It, it follows like a hawk, uh, you know, over the landscape of of New York from the top of the building, like diving down, and it's like oh. That's a fucking like a, a a film student move. Like just capture whatever you can, and it's like yeah. that, that's what's that's what's kind of like the plus side of this type of movie. That's not like under production scrutiny or like shot per shot storyboarding, so it doesn't go over budget. Is people just trying to capture shit? Yeah, and that's kind of what I like about about uh, One Wonders. This is what I'm gonna start calling this guy. Sure, sure. Um, One Wonders directorial <laughs> approach. Anyway, so so yeah, so so that's the initial sort of like, okay, how is this guy saddled with this? This yeah, um, you know, it's really film? interesting. I think they they they, they front load um, oh, um they front load sort of a weird expectation on this whole thing just to get you to where the real story is. Like we're not. That's what I think is interesting about this movie is that this movie hasn't even touched on what the actual movie is at this point. Oh, at this point, yeah, yeah, because you think like at this point you think the guy is the is the is the is the major protagonist in this movie, and really, what the, who who is the major protagonist in this movie? I would argue is is the little girl. Well, I would argue with that too. I I I, I don't think it's either one because it being a little girl is sort of that follows the pattern of Paper Moon. What I what I kind of find interesting about this is is I don't think it's ever clear who the the protagonist is. It, okay. It's, right. it's kind of okay. what makes you swimming in this movie because the, the typical 
sort of archetype of the of the road picture is is a sort of like you know f- uh, fish out of water or like the odd couple or like yeah he, they annoy each other blah blah, blah blah but then they get together yeah and, and you know there has to be a little bit of this in here mm-hmm. certainly to have some sort of tension as they're going along well it's a grown man and a little girl so automatically you've got some some of that going on there but right? mo- but mostly it's like you know he's a sympathetic he's a sympathetic person sorry about that I should have shut that off he's a sympathetic person. And and so yes, yeah, yeah. It, it, you actually sort of get to see this other thing where it's not like trying to play off what has become by 1974 the tired old like oh what's funny is he doesn't like kids like he <laughs> does like kids he doesn't have kids he's a little out of his element <laughs> but he knows how to care for her better than her mother does and well, that's kind of what's interesting about it he doesn't like he doesn't he doesn't dislike kids he doesn't know kids so he doesn't know how to treat a kid like a kid and so he's kind of. He's like this little neutral thing that allow that that kind of allows Alice to be sort of a larger canvas, I think, which rather than she would normally be. Alice turns out to be a larger canvas. I like what you're saying there, my friend. I think she's just. I think she's. I, I think. I honestly think this movie is maybe the finest exploration of what it means to actually be a kid that I've ever seen. Like they actually captured some of that, like just that that weird, like that that part where you're like. You're not a free agent. You're you're, you're in a world that, that 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 still doesn't quite make sense. Like at one point, she she's like, well, you know, he's like uh, all about finding her grandmother, right? So at one point, she drags him over to this one city where the grandmother fucking isn't, and he and she knows that. Yeah. So she and so and later on, she so 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 you know, days later, and or or a good time later, and a good portion of his budget later, yeah. she's like, yeah, <laughs> she doesn't live here. And like he's like, why don't her need to tell me that before? And she didn't. She doesn't like. I don't. And she she does the kid thing. I don't know. Like that's yeah. What kids. And 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 if you're honest with yourself, you remember those times when you were a kid where you did something, and you didn't actually know what the motivation. You you couldn't you couldn't describe the motivation. You just don't have the words to describe them. A motivation of any kind at that point. Well, and I like that about this movie. It really caught like a yeah. like the edge of childhood in a very interesting way. Well, and the thing about him is that. Uh, you know he's not he's not happy with the fact that she does that thing you just described that kids do but at the mm-hmm. same time he's understanding and he's not understanding because he's a quote unquote good person although he is it turns out but because his circumstances have put him in a place where he can sort of be more understanding of people who are like you know not quite following through with something or not quite doing what they're supposed to be doing or even knowing why they're doing in some ways right and at the same time in such in sort of like financially such desperate straits that there's no point in getting angry yeah (laughs) i got that feeling too there i looked at something some behind the the scenes stuff you know because the 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 later two-thirds of this movie are just them sort of driving around different parts of germany trying to find places where she might have lived and and as you mentioned like her grandmother might still live and you know, it's post World War II Germany, so there's still there's a lot of rebuilding that starts to look the same. That's that's the thing about Germany, right? It's post World War II. Uh, some of the architectural charm got lost because it was like let's just build <laughs> it's been lost, you think. Lego buildings here essentially, and so it's like it becomes this this sort of like you know covert also commentary on the landscape or the culture of Germany or something like that. Um, you know, oh, by the way, one of the things that, that really I thought was truly awful in the film, but it was just one of those moments where it's like, you know, he finally dumps her off at a police station. You know, and he, it, it wasn't, I liked the way they handled it. It wasn't like he did like a lot, there was no music and like a long goodbye. It was clear that he would be sad in the way that you'd actually be sad. Just having to drive away and just sort of figure your life out, but move on with it. But he goes to a Chuck Berry concert and it's some Ooh. of the worst cut footage together. It's like Chuck Berry 
you know, performing in Hawaii in 1953 or something, and then you would cut to our protagonist sort of like, oh, rocking and rolling in a seat with like three other people behind him. It was really awful, and that's the that's the one wonders, one wonders how um, much uh, this guy had to spend, how much the budget was for this movie, but. Uh, you, know, you know, like he had fun. He just the man just had footage of Chuck Berry that he had filmed at some point, just yeah. burning a fucking hole in his pocket. Yeah, let's do it. Let's. You know, if you go to IMDb, out. it says it lists Chuck Berry as a cast member as himself, which I think is a little, kind of a cheat in this movie. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Did he? Did, did, was he a sag? Did, was, did he get any money out of that? Uh, you know that whole thing about Chuck Berry that that. Uh, he was a stag. I think he got busted actually in a St. Louis rib joint of having uh, cameras in the women's toilet. But in, and you're right, a natural in, cameraman, right? In <laughs> in the actual can, in German up, too, because he dug the scad. Yep. Yeah. Be bop, be bop, 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 bop. So yeah. So anyway, it, you know, it's. Uh, but I mean, we've given the skeleton of the movie, and then all of it's just sort of fleshing out this. This trip they have together, but I was looking at some behind the, the scenes stuff, and it's like, you know, um, uh, one wonders just took the um, the doors, he took one door at a time off of that car, and then just filmed all the scenes with him driving with no door on her side. There's just a camera hanging like duct tape off the side of that thing, and then they put the door on the other side and took the door off of his side when it, and filmed all of her response dialogue. And it's like, what a what a fucking genius this guy is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Absolutely. He did, he did that. You know, let me, let me, here's something yeah. else I thought that was really kind of interesting about this movie is it doesn't um, is uh, I think this movie is I think I think it's honestly it's a tremendous movie. I got to be honest. I just yeah, have I to say it. that. Yeah. Um, I think the ending is one of those very rare instances in a movie where like there's no there's no there's no turn to the to no. the third act. No. You know what's going to happen with this movie once you would. But, but but by the time you sort of know what's going to happen in the movie, you're so invested in the characters and the uh, sort of the um, I don't know, like just just their situation. Yeah. That, but like I said, the lack of any kind of a mystery or a twist at the end or anything like that. This is a really nice. This is a gentle movie. Yeah, I like that. That was a long way to get to say gentle movie. No, that was well well executed for sure. Yeah, yeah, I give it a thumbs up. I'd like to see his other. He's, this is a guy who did. Um, like uh, Par- Paris, Texas. Yeah, I mean, he kind of came. I've never seen that. I want to see that. Kind of came into his prominence uh, a bit later, uh, mm-hmm. uh, internationally, I guess. The guy's been married like five times, by the way. One wonders. Nice. Where'd he go, bud? He's apparently not. He's apparently not about one, huh? Anyways, I haven't. So I would say. I, mean, I think I said this recently about another movie. I would call this movie charming as fuck. I, I don't know. It's just it's uh, yeah. You, it's, yeah, you did say that about Triumph of the Will, but I think this is even um, yeah. more charm. I would say even. Well, I was leaning more towards that Reifenstahl. You know what I mean? Oh, leaning Reifenstahl. Yeah. Nice, nicely done, sir. I uh, would like to take this opportunity to say, I mentioned this before. I think we got on here. For some reason, uh, the location from which I'm recording. It, my little Zoom four track here is picking up a weird college radio station. So if you, if you listeners, good listeners, all two of you, if you hear that in the background, do not adjust your sets because <laughs> it's 1953. Do not it's just, your we're, we're just we're just loving the Zydeco here. <laughs> guarantee, mm, guarantee. All right. So, um, anything else about this film? 
absolute recommendation, I would say, about this movie. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed, but I didn't like, you know, as I said, when you first got the uh, the uh, the Criterion Collection, I was like, oh, fuck, he's going to go nuts. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but I have to say, I think with this one, you found yourself a real goldmine. I tried not to go nuts. I just want to review for you. There was the Elam Klimov, uh, uh Russian films, which we liked, especially mm-hmm. the one that was, kind of, you know, the, the summer camp one. Then there was The Mark. So, I mean, I mean, in four months, I think this is the third time we've dipped in the criterion to do some sort of episode. We haven't gone. Well, we've also, our, our productivity has also <laughs> not, yeah. been, not been incredibly high of late. So uh, Weekly? We've been producing a show a week. Mm. If you say so. Okay, I do. So, okay. um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, the second. Jesus Christ, you had to defend yourself. So I was giving you kudos for it. So, there. I'm not even following you, Tom. The the second film is 1978. Well, I just find it. I find it okay. I find it interesting that you don't know that we're uh, producing these once a week. I just thought that was interesting. No, oh, yeah, no. I mean, before we, it seemed like we were doing many, many more. That's all. Oh, more than once a week. I don't remember that, but we should. I think this show is so good. We should do more than once a week. I mean, sure. I mean, for a daily show. That's how good mm-hmm. I think we are. Yeah, let's not do that. Okay. Uh, 19, the next was 1978's The American Friend. <sighs> okay. The American Friend. Okay, I mean, the thing is... <laughs> Not the greatest name, I have to be honest with you, even though apparently Dennis Hopper is the one who gave him the name. I've, yeah, I, I, I mean, immediately I wanted to call it Our American Friend. Seems like a better, a better title right away. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't really... Hmm. First of all, let's talk. Okay, Dennis Hopper gets top billing, although he shouldn't. I mean, I guess it's just for commercial sake in 1978. For international commercial, um, uh, uh, can you look up the? Uh, are you able to look up the the protagonist Bruno? Um, I forget his name. Bruno Mars. Is it Bruno Mars? Is that the? Oh, the guy's name. Hold on a second. Yeah, <laughs> forgetting the guy's name. But anyway, as as you're looking that up, I'm sorry. I'm just across the room from my computer. So, um, that guy whose name you're going to give me in a second, was already kind of a, a German, you know, more than Dennis Hopper in Germany. And he went on to do some, I think, his probably most identifiable role internationally is in Downfall. He's Hitler in Downfall. Oh, is that him? Yeah, and then also, uh, a few years later, he, he, he's the professor in The, uh, the Reader with Kate Winslet. And I gotta okay. say, he has a face that's just immediately, like, uh, it's a attracts you i don't mean good looking although he might be it like it it's it's magnetic as term in terms of a cinematic face he's got a 70s face for sure his name is by the way is uh, bruno gans bruno gans yeah okay so so he's got a 70s face he's got he's got a face that's like leading quality in the same sense that say walter mathos probably not so much but no you know, like he's got that 70s face yeah maybe because uh uh, back then, he also had the kind of the high haircut, deep chops, uh, you know, uh, broom mustache or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think he's much, he's not in the same league as uh, Walter Matha looks wise. Yeah. This guy's yeah. actually so. Uh, you like, know what I'm saying? Like, not traditional handsomeness. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have that going for him. He, I guess not so. Not good enough looking. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I mean, Dennis Hopper, by the way, I. It, I I don't know that Dennis Hopper has ever been a good actor in anything at all that I've ever seen. Now, the thing is, the way he acts badly seems to be perfect for some movies. 
Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? He's such a he's such a fucking mannered actor, isn't he? There's <laughs> like yeah, he's kind of having the same spaz attack in every movie he's in. Every time he does delivers dialogue in a movie, it's almost like oh, your your college acting coach said, "Try it this way," and he yeah. like try it like you're eating hot peppers or like just something fucking nutty, and and they just keep it because I I don't I I find him likable enough most of the time. Um, I don't like a lot of his movies, but even when I like the movie, it's like he, he didn't make the movie through his acting. He made it through something else because, I mean, in, in some ways he shares that with Christopher Walken, but Christopher Walken can actually act sometimes. Yeah, 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 for Whereas sure. Dennis yeah. Hopper is just not, I like the, you ever see The River's Edge? Actually, I haven't seen that. I love that's that like movie. His cre- that's like he's like a super creepy character in that, right? <laughs> that's, the, that's the one movie he's a super creepy character and you're right. Well, I'm, I laugh because Blue Velvet's like the next year after that. Blue Velvet, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, but River's Edge, he's, Kenny Reeves, this is pre the Kenny Reeves and it's like, it's it's a, um, uh, Dennis Hopper's not the weirdest one because Corey, Corey, what's his name from Back to the Future, the guy who lost his mind and tried to karate chop David Letterman. <laughs> Cor- uh, uh, Crispin yeah, Glover, yeah, yeah. Crispin like, Glover. Ah! What's his name? Chris, I don't want to look it up. Crispin Glover. Is it? Yeah, isn't it? So it's like you got him, Dennis Hopper. But Dennis Hopper, it's like, I, I didn't, uh, Easy Rider, I, I mean, that could have been played by anyone else as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, that that side yeah. character. He's sort of like, um, I'm barely well enough to be out of the institution thing. I don't like that much. and But he functions all right in this movie. And, and, and in some ways, in the second half, he becomes a little more likable as a character. Uh, to right. me. But I fully, I don't understand. It's almost like he he only functions in this movie so that he can be billed in this movie. Yeah, I, I, I grant you. I, I I can't imagine why he. Well, okay, I could imagine a reason why he was the first pick for that role, which is his name is Dennis Hopper, and he's going to bring in a bunch of people in, in the American cinema. And so yeah. this is a movie that's kind of meant to be so sort of. Uh, shown on both sides of the pond. I think one of the things, the only thing that, that, the most interesting thing about the movie, I think, is that the German characters talk German and sometimes, and then they talk English sometimes. And, and sort of back and forth with subtitles as necessary. Well, they kind of, That's kind of an unusual choice for a movie. Well, they, um, but, they, uh, yeah, why Dennis Hopper? Again, because I think he could pull, he could put asses in seats in the art house uh, cinema over, uh, you know, on this side of the water. I, that, that's really the only reason. They cover that language thing a bit, and it does make sense because there's a, a fr- the third sort of lead is a, a French guy, and you know it's sort of like you know in Europe it's like if you don't speak whatever language, everyone will probably speak enough English. And I mean, there's a, I mean, it's not like outlandish that 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 oh. language thing happened or something. But I know what you're saying. But I don't. I didn't fully understand the movie, and it's not like I don't. When I say that, I don't mean like I don't. I don't understand what happened. There's nothing that was a mystery in terms of what happened. I'm just not always sure, like, why what happened happened. You know, there's a little bit like Frederick Forsythe, you know, attempt here in a way, which is a little more mainstream for One Wonders over here, our German wunderkind. Um, but I don't. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, it's super mainstream, and that's one of the things that, that I think, uh, which it took me a second, and, and I was watching it, and then I, and I looked over at sort of the uh, Wikipedia commentary on this movie, and I was like, oh, that makes a shitload of sense. It's um, it's based on a, on a series by a Patricia Highsmith. There's a the series, the, the whole Ripley uh, is a character, Tom Ripley is the name of the character played by Dennis Hopper, essentially, without, you know, um, without... So, so this is like a very loose adaptation of, of a Ripley novel, 
well, that made a lot more sense when I understood that. Describe I don't describe the Ripley novels. I don't. But it's a, um, I don't know. There was um, you understand the Matt Damon movie called uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, it's, it's just a series of novels that are based around this guy who's kind of a is just kind of an average, like a, a grifter and a con man. That's the thing. And so, so that's, so they bring that character in. I, I've read a couple of, uh, of her novels, uh, of, of the Ripley novels before. And once I sort of understood that, the, the, the rest of the movie made a bunch more sense. It's all about, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's low time grifting con man stuff, essentially. I guess. And, and part of it also is like a, a quasi Zelig type of character too, right? Like, I mean, I guess I right, right. the grifting, but it's like, yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, so, 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 so it's like a, it's like a crime movie that has an interesting conceit and you throw in this one character who's kind of like the butter that makes everything move. That's yeah, I guess so. It's, it's, it, there's a little part of like breaking bad in there too, in a weird way, but it's like less, I mean, it's the thing is it's not believable except that it's enjoyable enough and acted well enough by Bruno Gans that, that or Gans that, um, you just sort of like find yourself going along with it, but like you know, Bruno Gans is a, a, an Amberg, Amberg, Hamburg, Hamburg, Hamburglar, Robble, Robble, Hamburger, Robble, Robble, Robble. He's a he's a he he makes a living framing pictures, and I mean, less. I mean, this is understand here, like framing good art. I mean, it's a real living. He doesn't work at the, he doesn't <laughs> frame pictures at CVS or anything, but 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 it's like you know that's his his living, and so he's somehow connected with Hopper. Who's who has been going to America to get from somebody I guess everyone thinks is dead a painter who's replicating famous paintings to then sell fraud <laughs> phony paintings in the, the Sotheby's auction house or where the hell it was, and and uh, so it's like okay but 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 Bruno Gans isn't really drawn into that he just happens to be a framer who 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 Hopper meets and somehow the camera so then it's like the excuse to shift over to, to Gans because Hopper got us there. And we'll return right. at some point later on because Hopper's like in maybe a third of this movie. And Bruno Gans, then it becomes his story. Here's the Breaking Bad element. It's like is, he thinks he might, he has a blood disease. Is he going to die? Is he not going to die? And somehow, you know, um, this French kind of quasi mafioso wants him to assassinate someone. And it's like you've never seen an easier arm twisting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Than, than getting Bruno Gans to just assassinate uh, arbitrary, seemingly arbitrary people. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is like to get to that point, I think it could have been so much smoother. I guess my my I, one of my big problems with this movie is, is I, as I agree with you, I think Gans is really carrying the entire thing. And when when the camera is on him, I'm fine. Yeah, it's it's all the other stuff that is pulling me out of the goddamn story. Like anytime Hopper's on screen, except when he's on screen with Gans, yeah, it's that's like a, it's yeah. just ripping me out of the fucking ripping me out of the frame. I don't, I don't. It doesn't. It, I don't know. There's something. It just doesn't work. When Gans has come to this thing, like a kind of, I would say, like the third act of the movie, when he's come to this area where he's like half euphoric and half in despair, and, and yeah. he's created this interesting, and then Hopper shows back up again. Hopper actually becomes kind of interesting in that mix because he's he's sort of like the the guy who keeps coming over the cancer patient with a balloon. Like, yeah, come on, let's party here, let's party. And it's like, <laughs> okay, let me pick this balloon up and party with you. And and you know, Gans has this thing with his wife, who's half trusting him, half not. And the whole last twenty minutes, usually, I mean, normally I'd say kind of a la Mel Brooks, like, oh, for God's sake, what is this fucking horseshit pandemonium? You know, like, what is this car chase wreck? You know, Blues Brothers nonsense. Uh, what's up, Doc? But but you know what? I was fine with it. It actually sort yeah. of and, and, and with a little frosting on the on a cake. I wasn't sure about for a while. 
And it's same. Yes. By the way, one sorry, last comment about one wonders here. Like Alice in the City, it just sort of ends in the same sort of like, yeah, I don't have an ending for you. <laughs> I like. I kind of like that. We're gonna pull the camera back, and that's that's how we end our movie here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, same quality. I thought the. Uh, I thought. I thought. It, I thought he landed it uh, just you know rather skillfully at the end there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought that was okay. I didn't even mind like the like the the nearly last shot being was it um, was uh, Dennis Hopper on a pier being oh, rye, yeah. which was, I forgot about <laughs> that. Kind of God damn, Dennis Hopper, man, Jesus, that's why. What a world that that he's the star and and Bruno Gantz is the second guy. Because Bruno Gantz, again, that's a funny great. thing about it is like hey, there are movies where like Hopper's amazing, fucking True Romance. What a great, you know, that's like that might be my favorite move, uh, role he ever did. Yeah, but true, the, but the magic of True Romance is that it's written so well that you could put Dennis Hopper in there, being Dennis Hopper, and you're like, okay, all right, I like it. But it's not Dennis Hopper's fault ever that he's good. <laughs> it's like a kind of an accident of of nature. Or something like it's like a particularly good coffee pot that keeps appearing in movies. Yeah, it's like if you put a wallaby in a Humphrey Bogart movie, you'd be like, "God damn, that was interesting." But that doesn't make a wallaby an interesting actor. It just means that it was an interesting sort of move, and that's how I that's how I feel about Dennis Hopper, the the wallaby of Hollywood. I think they used to call him. What's his best movie? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, every time he shows up, I'm just sort of like, oh <coughs> god, here's some fucking like um, moon bug eyed, you know, don't know what to do with my hand. Always like, man. I mean, like I always like he does say that. That's so seriously a Dennis Hopper like, you know, like Jack Lemmon pulls at his college. Dennis Hopper just goes, man, when he doesn't know what to do at the end of a sentence. Sorry, well, you know I, what? I'm gonna say. I, I, I say I think his best movie is actually um, Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Uh, that probably is right. But I have a feeling he's, that's a little... Because he plays an alcoholic with DTs half the time. Well, that's what I was going to say. It seems to me it's sort of like a Montgomery Clift and, and Judgment Nuremberg move. Like, if you, yeah. said, if you said that's Montgomery Clift's best movie, you wouldn't necessarily be wrong, but it's a bit of a backhanded compliment. Air, hound, field, man. <laughs> my, my mother! My mother! Yeah, we, she was retarded. That's my mother, man! <laughs> He starts smelling the judge's underwear. <laughs> Ether party? I don't know. I don't know. Went off the rails there. I apologize. <laughs> I think Spencer Tracy's underwear would probably count, do really well at an Ether party. Oh. Well, this mm. is exotic. Okay. Well, so, I mean, I, I think we're saying, like, Alice in the Cities is, like, a kind of a, a gem of a movie. And The American Friend is sort of like, oh, it's kind of an interesting movie. Is that, would that be a fair yeah. way to assess those two? Like a director who made, uh, yeah, like a director who, who you know, put out uh, Rashomon. And, or, I know you hate that movie. But I do hate that like, movie. Like a director put out, like a, like, a classic movie and then, like, The Brotherhood. <laughs> I remember seeing I, you that. You know what? Honestly, the Kirk, uh, that the Brotherhood came to mind. Uh, that's the Kirk Douglas movie from, like, 1970 or something. Like, I think awkward. because they think everyone was wearing the same type of jacket. And had the same kind of awful sideburns. Like, not quite Greg Allman, but certainly, you know, creeping toward Elvis. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. All right. Um, well, anyway, One Wonders, Vim Vanders, Vam Vonders. I'm on there. Yeah. Okay. And, That's and the, the Swedish version. Yeah. Uh, uh, two things. I would like to watch um, this director's sort of like post 1980 stuff that we can't cover here because of our stupid rule that we're neither one of us is going to budge on. 
and uh, like Paris, Texas, etc. But also Bruno yes. Gantz. I'd like to watch more Bruno Gantz, frankly. I think he's a, a quite a, a unique talent. He's very good. If you could hear what I'm hearing right now, because you don't have the headphones on your side, there is Hi. there's a full <laughs> there's a full blown Kingston fucking Jamaica band just in the background, perfectly, and I'm sure everyone else is going to hear it. Nice or not, and it all just sound crazy. They, they got, they got, they got the care in the coffin. You're thinking of like a New Orleans type? Oh, oh, is this "Live and Let Die"? Is this the "Live and Let Die" reference? Yeah, I was gonna say, and then it kicks open and. Hey, Yafakoto died recently. We, I don't think we talked about. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That really bummed me out. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that bumped anyone out. I mean, God bless him, though. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Cutter might, might have been upset. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, probably. He was great. Do you ever see... You ever see uh, here's a movie no one talks about enough, I think. Midnight Run with De Niro and uh, Charles Gross. That's a wonderful movie. I, I love that movie. I in it, though. Yeah, yeah. He's he's just one of the obligatory black like uh, homicide. It's absolutely what's-his-name's best movie role ever. Charles Grodin? Charles Grodin, yeah, yeah. Um, I think somebody's forgetting Seems Like Old Times with Goldie Hawn and Chevy Chase and Charles Grodin. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm forgetting about? that because I've never seen it. But uh, <laughs> what about Beethoven, Tom? Oh, that's a good point. All right, buddy. Um, thanks for indulging me in a, in a Criterion thing. You get to choose the next one. Uh, but you do it soon. As you know, we do this weekly. I'm going to look in Criterion. Fuck it. Let's roll it. Uh, I got some Criterion real... That's some- Garbage. God damn it, there's some beautiful stuff. There's a lot of shit I've never even heard of, but there's some really beautiful stuff in there, too. You know what I'm watching currently in segments, which is a terrible way to watch a movie, but uh, I've never seen a Razorhead, uh, David Lynch's first movie. I've never seen it either. Well, so I, saw, I saw that on your queue. Now, I know that you are not a fan of the marijuana, but it, uh, there, here's the reason I need to start it over again. I think that's a movie you have to be high to watch. I suspect that's probably why it was such a great like college art house movie. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Uh, I got I saw a movie on the Criterion that I definitely want to cover, and it's going out. Uh, it's they're moving it out uh, as of the uh, the end of this month. So I'd like well, to get to it. As you know, we soon. do. We'll talk about it offline. Now that I we think do about a it. weekly show. So tell me after the after we're done rolling here, and and yeah, uh, I don't want to fucking ruin any surprises. Uh, no, I got you. All right, Tommy. I'm, this band is getting crazy in my headphones, so I'm going to let you go. Uh, what if there's no band? It's just inside of your head. <laughs> that'd be. I think that'd be great. It's like <laughs> what, really what you're actually documenting here is the the, the my demise <laughs> as I drive across the country. We're in the mountains of madness by way of Zydeco music. <laughs> All right, buddy. I love you, man. All right, bub. Till next time. <laughs>